0: Amen. Can you guys give G.J. and our worship team a hand? Appreciate them. So really good to have you guys. Good to see you guys here in the room. Uh, if this is your first time, we're so glad that you're, you're here. And to those joining us online, thank you for being with us as well. Um, as G.J. said, we're starting a new season. Uh, we're starting a brand new teaching series today called All In. And uh, more than just a teaching series, this is actually going to launch kind of a new season for us as a church and uh, I'm excited. Uh, I want you guys to know we've been preparing for this, planning for this uh, for months, and uh, man, I'm pumped. I'm pumped, and I don't know how you guys can stand in a worship service like we just had when we're singing about Jesus, Jesus, and we're just kind of like, you know, Jesus, Jesus. Come on, his name is powerful, right? Scripture says that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow, every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. So, uh I am I'm, I'm with you guys. I used to be more reserved. I am I still am my personality, but when it comes to worship, um God's taught me that Josh, it doesn't matter what other people think, right? It matters how worthy God is. And so uh I had a couple moments in college actually when I had some worship experiences where I felt like God challenged me, Josh, you need to stop worrying about what other people think about you and you need to go all in uh, in your worship of me. So anyway, free free little nugget for you guys. Um but I love being with you guys and love having the chance to do this together. Uh so um, we're asking this question uh, in this series. This is the main question of the entire four-week series we're in right now. The question is this, what would, it, what would it look like if 100% of us went all in in our relationship with God? Like, what would it look like? What could God do through a group of people that were fully committed to Him? And really, what could God do in your life? Like, if your life would won, was 100% surrendered to God, what could God do in your life that maybe you're not experiencing right now. I thought it would be fun to compare and contrast uh, being fully committed with being half committed. So I found some examples of some people that kind of did their job halfway. You guys ever heard the phrase like you had one job basically? So here's a couple of examples of you had one job. We're going to pick on road workers for a minute, but here's the first example. You had one job. You had one job was to write the word stop uh, on the pavement. And uh, they were half committed. They were halfway in. Here's the next one, uh, right in the yellow line down the, the middle of the road. They had one job to do and uh, didn't quite make it work. Here's another one I thought was interesting, kind of two side by side. Uh, the first one was the pizza one. There's no cuts that were made in that pizza. They're just like, forget it. You take the cutter, I'm done, right? They quit probably right there. They were half committed. And then the one on the other side, uh, World War, what is that? World War Eleven. Yeah, yeah, they, they kind of half got it. They half got it. Um, Another example I thought of um, was, um, uh, we've all seen the Little League games where these kids are out there running around, you know, kind of half paying attention. Uh, I love what this kid found to do in his spare time uh, in the outfield. Go ahead and watch this quick video. Make a big old pile. He's cleaning up some grass. (laughs) This is my favorite part coming up right here. You can see how soft this is. Let me take a seat. <laughs> that one kid's chewing his glove right there. You see that kid chewing his glove? <laughs> so that is, that is one of my favorite examples, right? And, uh, but it's really interesting to think about that question. Uh, in your relationship with God, and your faith, are you all in? Are you 100% in? Or would you say that you're maybe part of the way in? Uh, this, this series is called All In, and it's really uh, kind of one of the, that term is a poker analogy or a poker imagery. And this goes, this extent of my poker knowledge, just so you know, uh, just don't, don't challenge me to any poker matches, but uh, basically you've got a whole stack of chips in front of you. Th- those chips represent all that you have, right? And there's that epic moment in the game where you, you're like, all right, whether you have a good hand or not, you're like, I'm going all in. I love that moment where they just push all the chips across the table. It's this moment of abandon, right? This moment of recklessness. Like, I am going completely into the game. And I think in many ways, God is calling us to that same kind of thing. Where we say, God, I'm not holding anything back. My, my marriage is yours. My family is yours. My finances are yours. Everything is yours. And we push in all the chips. That's really what this series is about, and what I hope we feel challenged to over these next couple of weeks. Um, Today we're going to look at a biblical character by the name of Abraham. So if you guys have your Bibles, open up to Genesis chapter 12, Genesis chapter 12, and we're going to look at his story, and we're going to look at the first aspect in this series, and the first topic is we're going to be looking at the faith of Abraham, so we're going to be talking about all-in kind of faith. So what does it mean to have the faith of Abraham? or be fully committed to God with your faith and to trust him. So Genesis chapter 12, and we're going to start and just read the first four verses of Genesis chapter 12. So here it is. Go ahead and follow along with me, either on your own Bibles or on the screen. It says, The Lord said to Abram, we'll get to that in a second. His name's changed. Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and, I will, and you will be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you I will curse. And all the peoples of the earth will be blessed through you. So Abraham went as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abraham was how old? 75 years old when he set out from Haran. So a couple things to point out in this. God comes to a man named Abram. And says, Abram, I want to do something awesome in your life and and through you. I want to bless not only your family, but I want to bless the whole world through you, but it's going to require that you have faith in me. I believe God says the same thing to us, that he wants to bless our lives. He wants to bless other people through us, but we have to trust him. We have to have faith in him. In this moment, uh, his name is Abram. God changes his name to Abraham. His wife's name was Sarai, changes it to Sarah. You know those names. And uh, it's also important to note that at this moment, at age 75, how many kids did Abraham have? How many do you think? Zero, right? Pretty easy to count. <laughs> the head count was really simple. At age 75, Abraham has zero kids, and God's like, oh, by the way, I'm going to make a nation so great through you that you want to be able to count how many they are. So there's so many obstacles to Abraham being able to believe what God is saying. That's the essence of faith, though, right? Right? I heard somebody say one time that faith is like Wi-Fi. It's invisible, but it connects you to something you desperately need, right? That faith is that way, that we can't see God, but faith is what connects us to him, and we need that connection to God. So Fa- Abraham is known as the father of faith, and in this moment, Abraham, God is asking Abraham to trust him. He's saying, Abraham, I know you live right where, right where you are right now. I'm trusting you. I, I'm asking you to trust me, to go to a place that I will lead you to. God is basically saying, Abraham, trust me. Trust that I will guide you. Trust where I'm taking you. You need to trust me. So at the age of 75, God challenges Abraham to leave where he is and to follow him. So here's two quick points for this message today, and we'll get to some application the first thing is this, as we see from this passage, that sometimes, or oftentimes, God calls us to places that we cannot see. I don't know if anybody else does this. I shared this first service, and people looked at me like I was like I was like I was missing some something. Do you guys ever at at nighttime? Do you guys ever see if you guys can walk around your house in pitch black? Does anybody else do this? Uh, thank you. But God is calling Abraham to go to a place that he can't see. Does this make sense? And I believe that one of the challenges in our relationship with God is that God God calls us to things sometimes that we can't picture yet. We don't know what it's going to look like, and we can't see it. You know, so sometimes in my own life, God challenges me and calls me um, to have hope in something that I can't see yet. So maybe you're struggling in a relationship, or you're struggling with your purpose in life, or with where you're at, and God's trying to paint a picture of the future, like, here, here's where I'm taking you. If you'll trust me, I'll take you to this place. And here's what life can be like when you trust me. But it's hard to trust him sometimes in those moments. Um, I love what John Calvin said, though, about this call to Abraham. He said this, he said, just close your eyes and take my hand. That's essentially what God is saying, that if you'll trust me, I will guide you and I will walk with you and I will take you where, where you need to go. So the question for you is, are you willing to close your eyes and take God's hand? Whatever you're dealing with right now, whatever it is that's on your plate, are you willing to trust God and take his hand and trust him to take you where you need to go? Um, Many of us, I think, would love to say that we have that kind of faith, but we would be, if we're honest, we'd be asking questions, right? God, where are you going to take me? I want, I'll go with you, but first tell me where you're going. It seems like a fair question, but if you've been following God for any length of time, you know that God oftentimes doesn't tell you where he's going to take you, does he? It's oftentimes, hey, I need you to trust me, and then I'll tell you. Uh, I can remember when I was in college, as a sophomore in college, and I was headed toward engineering, and then I felt God calling me to switch my major and to go into ministry. I had some questions, right? Uh, like, God, what does that mean for my life? And so I feel like God basically— um, asks us to give him a blank check and then we let him fill in the details. So Christian ministry is a broad category, just so you all know that. Uh, you can do a lot of things in the category of Christian ministry. You can be a Bible translator, uh, you can be a pastor. What's one of the others? It's an M word. What's the, one of the other things that's related to Christian ministry? Missionary. <laughs> yeah, that was one of, my, one of my fears. I'll be honest with you that if I say yes to God, he's gonna send me to some far-off place in the world and it's, it's going to be horrible. I'm just being honest and transparent with you. That's the fear, is that if we give God a blank check, this is what's going to happen, right? But oftentimes he doesn't tell us. He wants us to be able to trust him, and he's good. It's not, he's not trying to trick us, right? But he wants us to trust him. If we were to lay out, if he were to lay out all the steps in front of us, we wouldn't be trusting in him. We would just be trusting in those steps, but he wants us to trust him. Um, this kind of reminds me, uh, this thing that we kind of go through reminds me of a of a story that I heard of a guy, and again, this is a pastor story, just so you know, disclaimer, pastor story, here it comes. Uh, a guy who fell, it's supposed to be funny, so I, I'm looking for some laughs at the end as well, just need some help on that. Uh, a guy who fell off a cliff on his way down, he grabbed a branch that was sticking out of the side of the mountain, and he, he held onto to that as tight as he could. He kept screaming for help, and eventually he heard God respond, and he said, God, uh, if that's you, can you help me? And God said, yes, I'll help you, trust me, let go of the branch. So the guy thought and paused for a while. And he's like, is anybody else up there, basically, is what, what he called out for. And that's, that's pretty much us, right? That we want to trust God. We want to have the kind of faith that Abraham had, but it's challenging to trust God. But he's calling you to trust him. He's going to take you someplace that you need to go. And that's, that's uh, connected to point number two. Point number two is this, that God blesses those who live according to faith. God will bless the life of the person who chooses to live according to what they cannot see compared to what they can. Let me give you some examples. Um, In scripture, anytime God commends someone and says, well done, good and faithful servant, he doesn't commend them for their brilliance. He doesn't commend them for their accomplishments or their strength. Sometimes I, I feel weak in my following of God. But what God commends, he commends faith. And I may just say that one more time. God doesn't commend strength or brilliance or accomplishments. He commends people for their faith and trust in him. Anytime God elevates someone and says, this person is awesome, it's because of their faith in God. Let me give you some examples. Uh, Matthew chapter 8, the example of the Roman centurion. Here's what he said about this man. He said, truly I tell you, I have not found anyone in Israel with such great, what's the word? Faith. faith. He commends him and says, this man is a man of faith. Next one is a woman who touched Jesus' garment and she was healed. Here's what Jesus said, daughter, your what has healed you? Your faith has healed you. Your trust in God has healed you. Next one is a man who was paralyzed. This is an example, of this, this biblical passage where four friends carry a paralyzed man to the, the feet of Jesus. They rip open the roof, you guys know that story? They can't get him to Jesus because the crowds, they tear apart the roof and they lower him right at the feet of Jesus. Like what crazy, (laughs) there's lots of phrases we could use for that. That's very bold, right? But boy, here's what Jesus said. He said, when Jesus saw their faith, talking about the faith of these friends, he said, friend, your sins are forgiven. And then he goes on to heal him of his paralysis. It's because of their faith, right? Their faith. We see this about the disciples, oftentimes Jesus challenged them. He said this. He said, "Oh, you of little faith. Why are you so afraid?" So God calls us to have faith in him, to trust him. He says this, the scripture says this about Abraham. Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. You guys know what that means, right? That we try to really hard to do the right things and to be morally upright, to not sin. But this says that Abraham had faith in God and that was just as if he had done the morally right thing. You guys following at that? That his faith, I believe you God, was put in his account just like he had done the morally right thing. That's pretty powerful. That his faith was given to him as a credit for righteousness. Then it says that he was called a friend of God. Now this is cool too. So God blesses faith. God rewards faith. And the steps of faith that you take today not only impact you, but they impact generations to come. So God says to Abraham, I will bless you, and I will bless the whole world through you. So the decisions that you make today don't only impact you, but they impact your kids, and they impact your kids' kids, and their kids, and their kids, and their kids. So your, your choices to sin not only impact you. You may think that it only impacts you, but it doesn't. Also, your choices of faith and trust in God not only impact you, but they impact generations to come. I am standing up here before you today because generations of people before me chose to follow after God and God's amazing grace in my life, right? It's not just the one, it's both, but your choice of faith impacts generations to come. It's such a big deal. Now, think about for a minute the crossroads that Abraham is at in this moment. God comes to him, says, Abraham, I want you to leave where you are. Let go of everything, and I want you to follow after me. Abraham has a choice, doesn't he? And I want you to think for a second that the drastic directions his life would go based on what he chooses to do. So you can choose to trust God or trust yourself. I'm challenging you to choose to trust God. Imagine what Abraham's life would look like had he not trusted God. We probably wouldn't be talking about him today. Here we are 4,000 years later talking about this man named Abraham. He's known as the father of faith because he chose to trust God and take him at his word. Imagine the difference that, that your faith will make in your life. Imagine the different directions your life can go if you choose to have faith in God right now or if you choose to trust yourself. We've got to trust God and have faith. So a couple things we notice from Abraham that we can learn and take away, a couple of points of application are this. Number one, the first thing he had to do was he had to let go of control and trust that God would guide him. See, we have to choose if we will trust ourselves or if we will trust God. That's part of it. That's really the main challenge, isn't it, in trusting God, is that we have to let go of control. Anybody else a control freak, like a recovering control freak? The rest of you are not being honest and truthful. We like to try to manipulate and manage and control things, and we have to let go of control. I found this really fascinating. I came across a study. A research project was done asking people over the age of 95, if they had it to do all over again, what would they do different? You can learn a lot from somebody that's lived that many years and has hindsight on life. And of their other top three answers, one of the, the most common answers what they would, that is that they would risk more. They would risk more. I feel like God challenges me with that all the time. Josh, you're playing it too safe in your relationship with me, that you would risk more. Oftentimes we want to control, we want to protect so we don't trust God in faith, we don't step out in faith, but we're missing out on so much. Um, I got my kids permission, I, I'm getting to the age where, my kids are getting to the age where if I share too much about them as, as their dad, in the, in, as illustrations, I'm going to have to pay for a lot more counseling later on, and so I have to ask permission. But a few years ago, uh, we went to uh, Great Wolf Lodge in Traverse City, and they have in the center of Great Wolf Lodge, they had this really big, a uh, couple hundred, a couple thousand gallon little pail, that big pail, that fills up with water every so often, and then it dumps on people. So you hear the bell ringing, and the kids rush to it. My kids were a little bit nervous about this. They, they didn't want to be swept away. So here's what they decided to do to protect themselves. Go ahead and watch this. Doesn't quite go how they expect All right, so if you didn't notice, what happened was the water rushed underneath of them and then up into their face and into their nostrils. All right, so the very thing that they are trying to protect themselves from actually is actually much worse than what what it would have been just standing underneath the water. And oftentimes that happens to us where we try to control situations instead of trusting God, and it ends up actually causing more harm than good because we haven't just let go and trust God in the first place. See, we have to, if we're going to trust God and have faith, we have to let go. We have to trust him. Then here's the second thing that Abraham had to do. He had to trust where God was taking him. He had to trust where God was taking him. See, Abraham didn't know. He'd never been to this land that, that God was taking him to. And God oftentimes calls us to things that we can't see yet, right? That we, places we haven't been. We have to trust that the destination he's taking us to is better than where we are. We have to trust that he has our best interests in mind and that he's going to transform us along the way. Like I said, when I felt called into ministry, God didn't give me the whole roadmap. But shortly after stepping out and saying, yes, God, my life is completely yours, then that's when he begins to make it clear and lay out the steps in front of us. We have to trust that he's doing something in our lives that will be good. So let me ask you a question. Are you trusting God with everything in your life? Are you trusting him with everything in your life? Are you trusting God with your marriage? Are you trusting God with your emotions? Are you trusting God with your sexuality and your purity? Are you trusting God with your future? Are you trusting God with your past? Are you trusting that your your sins are forgiven in Jesus Christ? And you can distance yourself from that and let go of the past and move forward. Um, Another example from my own life, um, I can remember that when, when, God, when we first started sensing God calling us to move back to Michigan um, to start Evident Church, um, I, I called my dad and said, Dad, I, I we're wrestling with this, you know, what's going on? And my dad said, have you ever considered church planting, which is what we did? And I, I instantly wanted to throw up. I felt nauseous. I felt sick. It was the last thing on earth that I wanted to do, right? Um, it's so difficult. It's hard. It's challenging because there's so many obstacles, so many things in the way but let me just tell you this, every time, every single time that we have stepped out in faith to trust God, God has been so faithful. Amen, church? Like, like, not just 90% of the time, which would be good odds, not just 95% of the time, which would be great odds, not just 99% of the time. How many times? 100% of the time. If you will take God at his word, and if you will trust him to where he is leading you, he will prove himself faithful 100% of the time. You can trust him. You can trust him. He's calling you to have that kind of faith. So let me ask you a question. When was the last time you trusted God like that? When was the last time you gave God a blank check? Say, God, all right, God, whatever you call me to do, I will do. Are you at that place right now where you you will say, God, I will surrender everything to follow you. I will give it all to follow you. I love what we read of Abraham, uh, chapter 15, verse 6, a, a simple little phrase. But it said, Abraham believed the Lord. So we see right away, God gives him the instruction, Genesis chapter 12, and right away Abraham leaves. He gathers his family, gathers his stuff, and he leaves, and he follows God. He trusts him. And then a few chapters later, it says Abraham believed God. Did you know that there's a difference in believing in God versus believing God? Right? Believing God means you trust him. Believing in God means that you believe that he exists. It's a completely different ballgame to go from God, I believe you exist, to God, I believe you I trust you. Scripture says that even the, de- de- even the demons believe in God. They believe that he exists, and they shudder at the power of God. But to trust God, to believe him, is a different story. God is looking for men and women who say, God, I believe you. I have faith in you. I'm going to trust you. I'm going to trust you. This season for us as a church um, is, is a season for us to go all in. It's really more than a sermon series. Um, it's going to begin kind of a new season for us, a new opportunity for us to trust God. Uh, we spent some time um, earlier this week um, shooting a short video. I want you guys to take a second to watch this. Do you remember when we were kids? We'd stand on the edge of the pool, take a giant leap, and yell that famous phrase, cannonball. It was so freeing. They abandon the commitment. And our goal was to make the biggest splash we could, to have the biggest impact. What if we lived in every area of our lives that way for Christ, in our relationships, in our jobs, in our faith, in our time, talent, and treasure. Imagine the impact we could have, the ripples that we could create for eternity if we lived all in for the cause of Christ. This past few years has been absolutely amazing. We've grown from a handful of people meeting in a school to a few hundred people meeting in our own space and meeting our community's needs. Our church has grown numerically, but more importantly, our impact for the kingdom has grown significantly. We are now standing on the edge of the future God has for us, and he's calling us to go all in. He's calling us to increase our faith, increase our surrender, and increase our generosity so we can increase our impact for the kingdom. Now is the time to make that leap. Now is the time we're being challenged to go all in for the one who went all in for us. That's a good looking guy right there. I'm going to ask the ushers to help with something right now. They're going to pass out uh, two pieces of paper to each of you. And what I'm asking you to do, um, I'm asking you and inviting you to two very specific steps. Uh, If you call Evident Church your home, uh, if you're excited and want to engage more in what God is doing in and through us, I'm going to ask you to do two things. Uh, The first card that you're getting is a save the date card. Uh, The second card you're getting is an RSVP to a special event that we have coming up. So here's what I want to ask you guys to do. The first The first uh, group of events that's on that card, on the Save the Date card, are called First Look Meetings. I want to be able to share more specifically uh, some of the vision that God has placed on our hearts and what's next for us as a church as we uh, step out in faith um, in this next season for us. So I want to invite you to join me on a Zoom call. There's several times listed there. Um, It's a 30-minute call sometime over this next week or so. Uh, The first one is actually tonight at 7 And we'll be sharing details about phase two of our building project. We'll be sharing some more details about what's next for us and what that means for us as a church. And our our biggest goal is that every one of us would be all in, right? So that's my first thing is that you'd pick one of those dates and decide which of those uh, four first look meetings to attend on Zoom. And then the second thing I want you to do is that second card that you have is an RSVP for something we're having called Vision Night. Um, Two weeks from tonight here at the church, we're having a vision night where we're going to be having a time of worship. Um, we're going to be having a guest speaker. And we're all going to, also going to be sharing um, some bigger vision and greater vision for us as a church as well. We're, oh, did I mention we're having dessert at the vision night? So that'd be fun. Come for that. But we want to fill this place. We want to fill this place with people who are, are going all in to follow after God. And my biggest, like, the thing that I dream about as a pastor is what would it look like if a group of us decided to go all in for God? What could God do in and through us? It doesn't take a lot of people. It takes a group of committed people is what it takes, and so I'm trusting that, that we'll do that together. So that's what I ask you to do is I want, I want you to pick one of the first look meetings and jump in on a Zoom call. It's going to be a good time, and I want you to RSVP for that vision night. Uh, we only have 100 spaces in this room, but I hope that you'll help us um, to fill that. We have child care provided for that vision night, um, so go ahead and mark that on your calendar. You can fill out that RSVP, and you can drop that in the black basket on the way out today, and that would be a huge help to us. We'd love to have you there for that. So that's my action steps for you today. I'm going to ask the, uh, the, the worship team to come up, and we're going to close with one final, one final challenge. I thought this was a fun way. This may seem like a, a weird way to close, but we're going to have some fun for just a second. So we're going to look at animal, animals and uh, groups of animals, what those are called, I want to test you guys' knowledge for a second. So, a group of birds is called a? A flock. Excellent. You guys are 100% right now. Uh, A group of fish is called a? School. Excellent. A group of wolves is called? A pack. They get a little more challenging. A group of bees is called? A swarm. Not close. A hive is where they live. It's called a swarm. It's called a swarm. That trips people up sometimes. Here's the next one. It gets a little bit more tricky. A group of lions is called? Pride, you guys have been watching some Lion King, all right, a group of elephants is called a, no, close, well, not really close, it's not, and I can see that, but it's called a parade, did you know, it's called a parade, a parade of elephants, Uh, a group of vultures is called, a murder, no, close, close, that's crows, yeah, a group of vultures is called a committee, (laughs) a committee, (laughs) you've been on some of those, haven't you, some of those committees, Uh, The last one I want to talk about is a group of rhinos. And uh, a group of rhinos, I'll tell you what the group name is called in just a second, but rhinos can weigh up to 5,000 pounds. But here's an interesting combination. They can run up to 30 miles per hour. That's faster than you can run. You can ride your bike that fast, but you can't run that fast. They can run up to 30 miles an hour, but one of the challenges is they can only see about 30 feet in front of them. So if they got 5,000 pounds going 30 miles an hour. They can only see 30 feet in front of them. What do you think a group of rhinos is called? A crash. It's called a crash, a crash of rhinos, right? What I love about that, and that, that sequence of facts has, has really impacted me because I love that commitment. I love that abandon, right? They are all in. They get running towards something, they are committed to it. And they're going to go and keep going. Right? I believe that God is calling us as followers of Jesus to go all in, to go all in with our faith. And I want to invite you guys to do that together with me as a church. So let's stand together. Stand together with me and pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your love. I thank you for your grace. Father, I pray that you'd help us to not hold anything back God, whatever it is that we might be facing, help us to have faith and trust, God, that you can do anything. God, that nothing is impossible with you. God, that is is the hope that we have. That is a part of the gospel that we cling to, that everything is possible, God. nothing is beyond you. There's nothing that's so broken that you can't fix it. There's nothing that you can't pull us out of, God. There's nothing that you can't do, and you keep calling us and leading us to different levels of faith different ways of doing life, God, that trust you more and more and more. So God, would you please do something amazing through us? Would you please do something powerful in our lives, God, and in our time that we could look back on and go, only God could have done that. God, help us to have the faith of Abraham. Help us to trust you. We can't wait to see how faithful you prove yourself to be as we trust you with every area of our lives. In Jesus' name. Amen.